Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by a partnership between Missio Alliance and Kairos Partnerships. Good to see you, JR. You as well, Doug. We normally are in the same room together, but we're having to see each other with some social distancing appropriate Zoom right now. Yes. So It's a little strange, but you're still handsome. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are all in such a unique time and season right now. Doug, how are you doing? Are you, uh, how are you holding up as a pastor and as a leader right now? Yeah. Um, I, I think up and down is the, is the statement that I hear a lot of people say, and it resonates with me. But I think if I was going to really pinpoint it, uh, right now I feel like I've had, this, I've had a, a number of tough conversations, let's say six or seven, that I would normally have over the course of six or seven months, mm-hmm. but in the last six or seven hours or, you know, last two or three days. And so I think I'm feeling tired. Um, There's also part of me that's like strangely energized in some ways. Um, But yeah, that's, that's kind of, it's kind of where I am. I mean, you know, stuff that we're going to get into, I'm sure in this, some of this conversation is, I, I just get the sense that like things have been changing so rapidly that the whole change thing is just such a uh the new reality in which i'm looking at at the moment and part of it is uh, i'm a pretty flexible guy but this is feeling like it's stretching some of my limber limberness too so yeah it feels like everything's changing i have to like continually adapt leadership you know leadership stuff moving everything to online we had our first zoom bomb the other night uh oh you did we did. We were doing a marriage chat. Um, wow. And we had some creepy, weird teenagers jump on and say weird stuff. And we shut it down real quick. And I was like, wow. so that, that's a real thing. So how, how are you doing, man? Yeah, I, I find myself feeling incredibly somber, at the same time, incredibly energized and electrified by all this. Partly because, I mean, I... I embrace change. I love asking big questions. I mean, I love paradigm shifts. Uh, I think in many ways we have been anticipating the church needing to change and we were in a get to situation, but now everyone's in a have to situation. So Mm. change just sped up, but I'm, but I'm tired. I'm tired. And I think we're not alone in, in feeling tired right now. And, uh, you know, as my father-in-law, who's a retired futurist for a large, uh, international corporation, fascinating conversation with him yesterday. And he had a line, he said, right now we have all the future that we can handle. And I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Like it used to be out on the margins, but now it's just, just rushed to the center so quickly, but we have all the future we can handle right now. So how do we steward this moment? Um, and trying to find that balance. But I, I think a lot of people feel the way I feel right now. I, I feel emotionally schizophrenic. Mm. There are days I wake up and I'm so hopeful. God's in control. He's got this. He's not shocked by any of this. Um, we'll figure it out, you know, as we go. And the other times I wake up and I'm just like, we got to do this and that. And I feel frenetic and I have to Briggs, slow down, chill out. You know, like this is, this is Jesus's to handle. So those are, those are a few of the things that I'm, that I'm, that I'm feeling in this. And so, you know, we, you and I have talked about sort of the, you know, Venn diagram of sort of living in the overlap between being hopeful and expectant of being prepared and ready in the midst of this. And so sort of living in that overlap is tough and it requires a ton of wisdom and courage and compassion to find that overlap too. 
because um, it's really hard. It's really hard. So we know that a lot of our listeners are leaders. Many of them are church leaders. Many of them are pastors. And so if you're feeling exhausted, if you're feeling worn out, uh, we hear you. You are not alone. We thank you for the work that you're doing. It is mm-hmm. so crucial uh, in this time. But we also want to make sure you have the permission to be able to take a break, to turn your phone on airplane mode, to go for a walk, to to have a good cry. I had a good cry. I was just telling you, Doug, before we pressed record um, on Sunday afternoon. And our family just, I think it's just all caught up to us. Like we just, we were frayed at the edges and we just needed that uh, to have a good cry together. Um, but there's permission there right? There's permission to, to rest. There's permission to take, you know, to read a novel, to watch Netflix, whatever it may be. But we're grateful for our pastors. We know it's a lot. You don't have to boil the ocean by Friday. Mm-hmm. Just get a few things done. And there's permission there. You know, that's, mm. that's, I think, what's kind of running through my head as I'm talking to leaders the last few weeks. But yeah, yeah, there definitely seems to be a lot of people that I feel like I'm talking with that are, are saying just such it's it's weird. It's like everyone's in such different space, but we're all experiencing a lot of like super similar stuff, but yet the language we're trying to use is all like converging in the same at the same time to like, oh yeah, now I know what that means. Where yeah, man, it just it feels like it is um yeah, I, I think the way that you said it is really helpful. Like how do we, how do we kind of live in that overlap place right now? Like, what does that look like? Are you finding places where that overlap, um, you know, of, of prepared and ready and hopeful and expectant, like are, are happening in your life right now? Well, I mean, I, I do love talking to leaders. I really do. And there, there are lots of opportunities for us to be able to, to interact with and care for leaders. I'm, I'm really hopeful by the amount of leaders who are being very proactive and creative, incredibly creative right now of trying to figure out how do we serve giving, like, given the, the fact that, uh, that we're with the limitations. And I think the creativity and the limitations just is like, yes, pastors keep going. This is great. And so I'm just loving that. But, you know, Doug, you and I have talked before, you know, we talk a lot in in our church about, about oikos, right? That Mm. word for neighborhoods and that we all live in five different neighborhoods, a familial neighborhood, our immediate family, a digital neighborhood online, geographic neighborhood, literally our neighbors on our block, our relational neighborhood, our friends, and then a psychographic neighborhood. And those would be like, you know, CrossFitters or Mac users or Philadelphia Eagles fans, right? We sort of share in the same kind of thinking as other people. And what's interesting in these five neighborhoods, three of them have been taken away from us Mm -hmm. out of wisdom, but also out of like the CDC and the government. All right. So our psychographical, our relational and our geographic neighborhood have been taken away. And the only thing we're left with is digital, right? Mm -hmm. Which we're grateful for technology, although some of us are frayed around the edges of too much Zoom. And then also (laughs) familial, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're living at home and we have the internet. (laughs) <laughs> those mm. are our two neighborhoods. So how do we respond to those other three? This allows us a time to pause, to rest, to hold our palms open and say, Lord, what do you want? Mm-hmm. 
but also a time for the other three to say, okay, we're not ready to go back into those three other neighborhoods right now, our geographic, our relational and psychographical neighborhoods. But what can we do now to prepare and pray and think and plan and strategize before we enter back into those? So uh, that's where I'm both hopeful, but, but also needing to be ready. And I think, you know, we talked about financial conversations a month ago. Yeah, No one was really talking about it. Now everybody's talking about it. And so we're just beginning to see th- people were saying, how do you know all this stuff? And we're saying, we're, we're not future tellers. It's not <laughs> Nostradamus, but it's simply saying what was vulnerable already before right. when it was quote unquote normal. Now those things that were vulnerable then, now they're now almost certainties that mm. they're problems. Mm. or issues we have to pay attention to. So we were just looking at the cracks when it was normal. Then the earthquake happened. Now we really need to know where to go look in the house where the cracks already existed. Yes. And uh, that's where we need to pay attention to now. So, yeah, it's interesting. One of, um, I have a friend of mine who, who has uh, just struggled with um, some pretty significant mental health over the last, you know, over the last few years. And one of the things that he said that just struck me so profoundly is he said, you know, um, I, I, I isolate myself. And then when I pop up my head from, you know, putting my head in the sand and I bring up to look around and realize that everyone else is isolated, I don't know what to do. Mm, like, I mm. don't know how to re-engage. I don't know what that's looking like. And I think that that's where I, I feel the same way where there is this hopeful sense of like, I mean, it has uh, the last hockey game I played or ref was March 3rd. Like I haven't seen my hockey family in, I mean, over a month now. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, we've been connecting and chatting, but it's not the same. And that's right. the, one of the big things that's really been sticking with me, especially as we're, you know, in the Easter season is the, in the most brilliant part about the person of Jesus and about what, you know, is the incarnation. It wasn't just the communication. It wasn't just the words of God, but it was the word of God, like communication plus presence. And I would have been really been thinking about how, just how important the presence of another human being is. And like, and yeah, I mean, we get that with our family, but even just I mean, I wonder, and my hope is that this has really been, I feel like as we've been doing Monday Morning Pastor, we've been hearing so many pastors say the importance of friendships and relationships. Mm-hmm. If this isn't a shot in the arm to say like, hey man, um, how are you going to be developing deeper friendships in the months to come, you know, post, you know, social distancing, post some of these pieces, like I, I just, I, it, it just feels like this this beautiful invitation right now. And I, not that this is like a shaming place, but a place of just like inviting, like, man, these relationships that we have inside of our church and outside of our church, these friendships really become these beautiful lifelines. Mm-hmm. And so even like, how do we begin to, to like recognize, you know, how do we grow friendships when we can't be close? I mean, my wife and I dated long distance for a season and realized that like, maybe that actually helped us in this, but at the same time, it's like, Oh my gosh, I would never want to go back to that. And I feel like that's like yeah. the reality too. Nobody would ever want to run back into a season like we're in right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the whole like mental health side of things, <clears throat> I mean, like uh, earlier this week, like Michael Phelps and people magazine, he just said, my mental health. And he's been open about his struggle with anxiety and depression. Um, but here's a U S Olympic athlete, you know, greatest Olympian of all time. And he said like 
it's been difficult for my own mental health, right? In England, the National Domestic Abuse Helpline saw an increase in calls of 25% since the lockdown began, right? Dang. And so there's already vulnerability of those. And that's where I, I, I get emotional if I think about it too long, about even though we need to be inside, even though the government restrictions and lockdown shelter in place is wise, and I agree with it. We're basically telling people who are abused, you need to stay in the same home with your abuser and not leave. Mm. And that is what makes me emotional and where there's going to be a ton of healing that's going to be needed long-term, but physical healing, mental healing, emotional healing, spiritual, financial, I mean, it, economic, it doesn't end. Everyone's wounded by this. No one is left unaffected by mm -hmm. COVID-19. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but yeah, some of those mental health elements yeah. are so important. And, and we also know that pastors struggle with mental health too. And so we've got to acknowledge that some of us, even some of us that have even wonderful, healthy mental health, uh, realities are feeling cagey and angsty and not doing well and not sleeping well and struggling to find healthy rhythms right now. I just emailed with a pastor in DC uh, right before we logged on here. Uh, someone that you and I both know very well. And he just said, I'm struggling right now to find healthy rhythms. I have worked so hard to find a good rhythm. And then all of a sudden it just, poof, it just went up in smoke when yeah. all this started happening. And so that's hard. That's hard. Yeah. I remember we were on a call right when this thing started and it was you and me and a few other folks from the network that from the Ecclesia network, the network yeah. that we're both part of. And I remember saying, um, and it was like literally a weekend. And I remember just saying, I just like, how do you Sabbath? Like how, yeah. what does Sabbath look like? And it was such, it was, I can't remember who said it, but someone said, well, you just, I think you just do like, you just give yourself permission. But I think that that's also part of the conversation that, that I know I'm just wanting to have and wanting to hear more about is like, so we know thing is stuff is weird and crazy and strange, but it is reality. I mean, this is not something that's just going to go away six months from now. Like this is really shifting a lot of things, you know? Um, so like, what are you sensing are some of the healthy or like helpful spaces to just encourage pastors today? Yeah. I immediately go to Psalm 46. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just can't get that out of my head. Um, you know, he is our ever-present help in trouble in times like this, right? And then there's that great phrase in verse six that says, nations are in uproar, kingdoms mm. will fall. <laughs> I mean, every nation on the planet is in uproar right now. And to realize that that God is not shocked by any of this. He has not moved an inch from his throne. And then I love what it says in, um, I think it's verse 10, yeah, verse 10, right? We know it is like, be still and know that I am God. But I love the way the New English translation says it. It says, cease your striving and know that God is God. And I think in these times where we can, we can feel frenetic and kind of, you know, what, what can we control and take the bull by the horns and let's just do something that I think there are times the Lord just says, look, we'll, we'll get to some planning. There's some things as a leader I need you to do, but it's almost a palms up time to just say, cease your striving, Briggs cease your striving moisture and just know that God is God. Mm. And so that has been really encouraging where we're tempted to run to either hide or we're run to like, Oh, we got to do something. Just do something. Everything, everything's crazy. 
And I think that we just got to remember that cease striving may be the most faith-filled thing that we do mm. in this season. So, mm. but I, I, I echo what you're saying, Doug. Sabbath is harder because it is digital, right? That's how people are getting hold of us. And part of us, like we need to be, we can't just say, well, I'm turning it off for a week. That would be irresponsible. But to be on it all the time would also be unwise. And so mm-hmm. how do we balance being unwise and being unresponsible? We want to be wise and responsible and responsive to our people. So where do, where do we find the balance in that? And so I think, you know, like what, what you and, and uh, the other pastor at our church are doing, Ben, of just making sure we have days off. You guys have days off uh, and Sabbaths that aren't on the same day so that there's coverage, right? Yeah. That people are also taking many Sabbaths uh, digitally of saying, you know what, from 5 to 8 p.m., I'm not going to be on my phone. And just some of those, I think, can be incredibly helpful to just say, you know what, I'm not going to look at my phone until 10 a.m. Yeah. You know, uh, I have to, I'm on Zoom all the time. I was on Zoom a lot before this. <laughs> now I'm only on Zoom. So I have to be very careful. My, I get headaches, my eyes crossed, just staring at a screen. People are getting Zoomed out, right? That's now, Zoom fatigue is now a phrase. Uh, there's a new study that came out, a new article that came out that some people believe that's the case because we are unable to look people in the eyes on a computer screen. Dang. There's some relational connection and there's some health that happens when I'm able to physically look people in the eyes, which you're unable to do when you're on something like Zoom all the time. And so how do we find those healthy connections and so for me, part of my own sanity is Mondays, which I've normally had as my kind of study, think, pray, plan, prep day. Um, I was sucked into just being doing Zoom calls on Mondays too. And I just told a friend of ours, Chris Backert, the National Director for Fresh Expressions and Ecclesia, I just said, I can't do any Zoom calls on Monday. Right, The way I'm keeping the Sabbath holy, right? Holy means different or distinct or unique from the other days. The way that I'm keeping it distinct and different. I mean, even doing Zoom on Sunday, right? Our church is on Zoom. So what is it for me? Monday, the way I keep it different, distinct, and and unique is the fact that I'm not on Zoom on Mondays. That's on my to don't list. So that helps me keep my sanity. So I'm not sure what it is for our listeners, but I think that's really important that we're all thinking through how do we take breaks? How do we have permission? Um, and how do we practice Sabbath in a world that is always connected and in some ways rightfully so, uh, considering the, the change, so much change has happened? Yeah, that's so good, JR. It, it reminds me, one of the things that I noticed two weeks into the, the reality in which we are right now is that um, I'm so used to having transition time. And so if I met with someone at a coffee shop, there was a 10 to 15 minute window of space <laughs> so where it's like my brain could kind of like shift yeah. gears or yeah, like that's process good. and get rid of. And so as of, as of last week, I've started to put transition time back in my schedule, which I've never thought that I would actually see that as important because I think it just, it leaves blank space. Yeah, it, that's good. It's almost like forced silence. And then I think the other thing too is this is something that when we interviewed Rich Velotis a few months ago, um, he mentioned that he do, he practices silence, but he doesn't do it all at once where he'll have like five minutes here, five minutes there. And just realizing like for my lunch, uh, before I before I eat, I, I have to spend five minutes of just silence. I just shut it all down. I put my phone on airplane mode and I'm just quiet. and 
I think that's been helpful. And I mean, and it's been hopeful too, because even like with our church has really responded well with some of the digital stuff. And so we've been praying together as a community on Monday through Friday in the mornings at seven and in the evenings at eight. And like other people are leading it now. It's not just myself and my co-pastor, but it's Mm -hmm. been really cool to like, even that, like, that's a new rhythm. That's a digital rhythm, but I'm finding that hope filled and something that I has really been feeding and nourishing my soul. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, you're right. Like, but all that to say, like we, I, I mean, it's building those, those rhythms back in where you realize that like, I have to have those healthy rhythms and it's just now all of a sudden we, I mean, my goodness, I redid my life giving list um, a few weeks ago after this whole thing took place. Cause I realized like half of them are with people. So like, how do I do life giving list stuff now from a perspective that actually is re is, uh, you know, reflects the reality in which I live right now. Mm-hmm. That's so true. That's so true. I think too, you know, you and I have read the book canoeing the mountains by Todd Bolsinger, you know, canoeing the mountains, Christian leadership in an un- in uncharted territory. It's such a great book. And I've read that before all this happened. And then I've read it since the coronavirus reality has happened. And it's almost like I'm reading a completely different <laughs> book, you know, like M night Shyamalan movies, right? Where the twist is at the end and you're like, Oh my gosh, I have to rewatch the movie. Now that I know this in some ways, it feels a little bit like that kind of book where, uh, yeah, I just, there's a plot twist and then we got to reread it. And it's like, these are the same words I highlighted and underlined and dear earmarked this page, but I feel like this is brand new material because there's a totally new paradigm shift right now. Yes. Yeah, boy. Well, and I don't know if you've recognized this too, but I feel, well, you said, you said it earlier, reading the scriptures all of a sudden is different. Yeah. And even the importance of our, you know, where we live in context and culture is just changing. It's it's like, it, it, I feel like I'm seeing things, reading things. I mean, I watched all of Netflix the other day. That was cool. But like, I'm seeing things <laughs> completely different and it's just, it's radical. I mean, it's, it's a radical shift. I should, I, I actually just read uh, Canoeing the Mountains the, for the first time, maybe like a year ago. I should probably yeah. pick that. I'll have to pick that Dude, up this it's, week. Pick it up. It's a different book. It's a Dang. completely different book. And before we were, we were under the, um, the reality that we could think about this if we wanted to. But since this has happened and we're in this space of liminality, that we're now having to do this because we have to. Right now, it's not optional. Like yes. we, we have to be thinking about the map that we had in the past no longer applies to the future. Yes. And so some of you say, well, how do you canoe mountains? You don't, right? So Lewis and Clark, right? So one of them was an expert canoeer. And they hired him on this expedition under Thomas Jefferson because they thought that the Mississippi River would flow all the way to the western part of the United States and dump out into the Pacific Ocean. You know, it's only one problem. They hit the Rocky Mountains. (laughs) They realized that there are no rivers to canoe anymore. And so how do you canoe the mountains? You don't. And so you're an expert canoeer. There's no longer a river because the map you thought was accurate wasn't when you're exploring out West with Lewis and Clark and their expedition. And then you realize, Whoa, we have to drop the canoe and drop the paddles and learn how to hike that huge set of mountains right now. That's where we're at. And I think that's a beautiful metaphor uh, moving forward. So um, 
you know, you and I have had Jared Mackey on, the pastor in Denver. Yes. And Jared, I think, has given us basically the questions and the resource moving forward. We just gave the resource of canoeing the mountains. Yep. But I also think these three questions that, and I've been using them like crazy. They've been shared like crazy. Uh, my, my family and I, we go over these three questions every single night at dinner. We got a 13-year-old and a 10-year-old son. And it's been beautiful to be able to go over this every night at dinner together. But these are three questions. What has the coronavirus taken away from you today? And it's where we can express our grief or our lament. And then the second one is, what is the coronavirus not taken away from you today? Mm. Where we can express our awareness. And then what has the coronavirus given you today? Where we can express gratitude and blessing. And that's been great to do this as a family, just to be able to say, what is it taken away from you today? And sometimes our kids have said, man, I was really looking forward to that field trip at school, or I miss my friends at school, or man, I had a canceled trip to go to, you know, national gathering event in DC last week. And I really mourned that because there were a lot of friends that I was going to see that I haven't seen for months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but what is the coronavirus not taken away? It's amazing to have our family articulate, Hey, it hasn't taken away our family, our health. The fact that we have um, dinner together, we have food on the table. Mm-hmm. And what has it given to us? There are a lot of blessings of doing things and interacting with people and trying new things that we wouldn't have done had it not been for this virus breakout. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, I, I, we want to submit that to you all to mm-hmm. just be thinking through that. Uh, the three questions again, uh, what has coronavirus taken away from you today? Lament. What has the coronavirus not taken away from you today? a posture of awareness. And third, what has the coronavirus given to you today? A posture of gratitude and a blessing. And of course, the resource, Canoeing the Mountains. There's so many resources that are being thrown around to so many different people right now. But if there's one book that we would love to see every pastor read in the next two weeks, it would be Canoeing the Mountains. So Doug, why don't you, uh, why don't you send us out here? Yeah, absolutely. And we just also want to say if, man, if you're struggling or if you find a really good resource, please shoot us an email. They're in the, our emails are in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you all. Um, but yeah. And so brothers and sisters, pastors and leaders, may you recognize that you are in a season right now where God is still on the throne. May you recognize that he is with you. And may you recognize that in this, he's not surprised, but he's present. And so may you tap into his beautiful presence and recognize that in all of these times, God is faithful um, and that he is actually birthing brand new things in you and things in others, beautiful things for gospel purposes. Amen. Amen.